second down, 13. At the 45 of Baltimore. Brunel back in the pocket. Has a bit of time. Now being chased. Plants throws. He's looking downfield. He's got a receiver. And it is caught. Jimmy Smith at the five. Into the end zone. Touchdown, Jacksonville. He wow. beats Wayne Starks for 45 yards. Sparks out for signals. Drops to throw. Has time. Fires the slant. Jimmy's got it this time. 35, 30. Middle of the field, 20. He's going to the 20-yard line. He's going to score. 10, 5. Jimmy Smith. Touchdown. And the Jaguars are right back in this ball game. Sparks out the signals. Pressure coming. Steps up. Steps. Turns. Throws. He's got Jimmy. First down, 20. There he goes. 10, 5. Touchdown. Win. Jacksonville. Under pressure. Steps to avoid. Turns and throws. He's got him in. Caught Jimmy. Inside the 40-yard line to the 37 and down to the 36. Congratulations to Jimmy Smith. That is now his 800th career reception. And what a play to get it on. This team winning right now, uh, it, it helps bring so much attention to our franchise, what we did back in the day, like we were talking about, these Hall of Fame conversations. But when we're winning, we see the conversations pick up. So we have noticed that. So obviously, you know, I'm, I'm pulling for my team to get to this Super Bowl. 1010XL 92.5 FM presents Jaguars Today with your hosts, Mike Dempsey, Tony Smith, and Dylan Denmark. All right, good morning, everybody. Happy Monday uh, from the Pockets Laboratory right there, Tony Smith. Uh, Mm -hmm. A new creation from the desk of one uh, Pockets Jr. in there. Uh, Pockets, when have you had time to put together a new Jimmy Smith Open with all that time you've been working on your golf game? Uh, uh, Tell me about 30 minutes. Uh, Got some calls over, uh, what was it, last Friday, last Thursday? Yeah. Joe Fortunato, thank you. Old radio calls, and uh, I just mashed them up together and came with a good beat. All right. well, it was nice. I enjoyed it. it. Pockets hit the ball beautifully yesterday, mm-hmm. Tony, for about seven holes. But yes. well, that's a good stretch. I mean, he was like one over through seven. So uh, Did the uh, track event get in on Friday? Negative. Uh, Rained out. You got one event in, right? Yeah, the girls, one hurdles ran, and then uh, the rain came. And uh, and had you perform in the hurdles? Uh, I don't even remember. Uh, I'm going to say didn't win it, Tony. <laughs> I'm going to go with did not win that event, if you don't recall the mm-hmm. outcome of that one. I don't know. Maybe second place. Could have been second. I don't know. But that's a shame. Do they make those up pockets, or is that just a well-missed opportunity? Canceled. We're trying to get into another track meet, trying to add one this I Saturday, po- possibly. But we got a big one tomorrow, so that's what my focus is on. All right. Pockets is uh, – Rains late. High School. Catch me out there. The former <laughs> uh, triple jumper, Mr. Dylan Denmark, triple jump Denmark, um, you know, now is – Turned his attention to developing the next generation of great track and field athletes, mm-hmm. as well as football players. You know, so he's got his fingers in a lot of pies right now. All right, uh, good morning, everybody. Jaguars today. Tony, did you have a good weekend? I did. All right, good. Mine was fine, except for the golf. <laughs> I'm done. I'm done for a while. I am. Sticks are sticks are going away for a mm. while. It's it's an ugly scene right now. That it go, bad, huh? That's you know how I am. Like when I'm playing well, I may never. Miss another shot again, because that—that's how I am. Because I know things are short-lived in my life. That I try to go really over the top. Like the swing's good. I'm gonna act like I'm, you know, one step away from the senior tour. But uh, no, it's it's that bad right now. So let's shelve that as well as uh, we turn our attention back to the Jacksonville Jaguars as we start a fresh week. The combine gets underway this week, and we're gonna hear from not on this program. Uh, due to the timing of it, but Doug Peterson and Trent Baalke both going to speak tomorrow once we get off the air. So you'll hear it throughout the course of the afternoon on 1010XL. Frank Frangie, his Carline Mia O'Brien are going to be 
in Indianapolis. They'll leave later today. In fact, Frank's going to stop by uh, this morning and give us a little bit of a preview as well as his thoughts on what the Jags are going to do with some of the major moves. But, Tone, we found out when we went off the air on Friday that the salary cap projection that every team had been working on loosely. Now, who knows? Maybe the teams had a little bit more sense where this was going to go. But the public projections for the salary cap were in that $242 million range, which was about a $17 million increase from last year. It was roughly two twenty-five, And so when you saw these numbers, Jags had X amount of projected salary cap space. That was already working under the assumption that the cap was going to rise $17 million. Mm-hmm. And, it, and And I'm using rough, rounded figures here. They're not exact to the dollar, but it went up about $30 million. And so from what you expected you had – you got about $13 more million to play with. Yes. Here's the thing. So do all the other 31 teams. That's right. Have $13 million more to play with. Now, some of those teams are over the cap. They're less over the cap now. Yeah, the Saints are like, we're only 60 over yes! today. Part yeah. of our plan right here. This is fantastic. <laughs> if the cap can go up $30 million every single year, mm-hmm. this is going to be marvelous. Uh, but So it does bring more teams into um, – compliance with the cap it's also gonna for teams that had barely anything maybe they can start thinking about going out there and making that one splash signing for teams like the Jags who needed some space just to apply the franchise tag if they're going to go that route with Josh Allen uh, they've got the wherewithal to do it now without making any corresponding roster moves immediately they're Mm -hmm. going to have to make some moves to free up some space you would think if they're going to be successful in getting Calvin Ridley back in the fold here, but sure. I, I think, you know, I saw some of the initial reaction. Jags have no excuse if they don't get both of them done now, Allen and Ridley. So we're asking you today, with the cap rising by $13 million, more than expected, it's really rising 30 but it's not 30 over what you've been hearing. If you've been hearing anywhere from 11 to $17 million, and that's the other thing, different sites have different numbers, right? And, you know, uh, over the cap and spot track are kind of the two main sites we look at. It depends on how many contracts they're factoring in. It's it based on like your your top fifty one contracts mm-hmm. is what they base the cap on. But anyway, the Jags are going to have somewhere between twenty four and thirty million when uh, the league year begins under the cap, barring what they do with the franchise tag. So does the extra thirteen million dollars in space make it a more likely that both Josh Allen and Calvin Ridley are back in Jacksonville? We've already been told Josh Allen will be a Jaguar. Yes. Right? But the question is, can they pull up, pull off the combo uh, of Allen and Ridley? So is it more likely, because the Jags have more money, yeah. and therefore they can arrange things a little bit more aggressively, is it less likely because it may bring a few more teams into the bidding, quite frankly, or it may enable a team to say, you know what, this is the one area we really needed to focus on. Now instead of offering somebody – say $15 million a year, we can go north of $20 million a year or whatever, mm-hmm. and they could be more aggressive. Or, in the end, if it's going to happen, it's going to happen. If it's not going to happen, it's not going to happen, and this is really not going to have a major impact either way. Yeah, and I think, as we'll discuss that going throughout the show today, and I'm, I'm actually looking forward to it because I can be convinced of any of the three, I think, depending on the argument being made uh, in that regard, but... Talking about Josh Allen and the group of fans that are very upset they didn't get the deal done last offseason with Josh Allen so that we wouldn't have to be in the situation they're in today, 
the cap going up as much as it's going up right now is one of the complicating factors for not having gotten the deal done last offseason. Sure. Right? If you're offering something to Josh Allen from his camp side, so like we've talked about that four years, $80 million a lot, right, being the offer and how comfortable with fans have been with that. It's like, okay, I don't think that offer would have gotten it done with Josh Allen. I, actually, I don't think that would have come close to getting it done with Josh Allen last offseason if that's the offer the team was willing to make. I think you would have had to make an offer closer to what Bosa wound up getting. Getting somewhere in that 30 to $34 million range, I think is the deal you would have had to offer last year to Josh Allen to get him to sign the deal in Jacksonville because of how much the salary cap's going to go up. And now you're in, I don't think it changes the situation with Josh all that much. I think it's exactly what it was a week ago. From a team perspective, from Josh's perspective, well, who, what's Daniel Hunter going to get? I think the same questions are out there. What's Brian Burns going to get? Yeah. Right? Like, all these deals still have to get done for Josh to know exactly what that's going to be unless you're willing to pay him what Bosa is getting. Right. Like, if you're willing to make that offer now, then make the offer now and let's move on with it. But every indication is the Jags aren't comfortable making that offer to Josh Allen. And there are some fans, I'm sure, who would be comfortable making that offer, but I, I think others would be like, wait a minute now. Because, you know, you, you hear the pay him what he wants. Well, okay, do you want to make him the highest paid player at his position? Some would say yes, that's okay. That's where the market goes. Sure. By next year, there'll be two or three guys that surpass him and on you go, and that may be, in fact, accurate. It may play out that way. Others may go, wait a minute now. He hasn't been a defensive player of the year. He's had the one massive year. He had a nice year, his rookie season. It didn't get named to the Pro Bowl. Sure. But, you know, and he's certainly worth more than what some of the guys got during the season last year. But is he worth the most at his position? So, again, these are the kind of things that the front office is dealing with uh, as they try to make those decisions as well. And we'll see how it all plays yeah. out on the And Allen the leverage front. is all on Josh's side. Right, because the team, the only outlet the team has is to make that offer. To make such an offer that Or to would, put them on yeah. the franchise tag. Like, those are the only two options the team has unless they can work out a deal somewhere in between where Josh would be happy with it. But he doesn't have to be happy with any offer lower than what he wants, like the demand he has. He could say, okay, then I get franchised for a couple of – like, if he wants to play it out that way, he can. Sure, but it but, does feel like it does so much. Risk. It does, but it feels like so much of the leverage in the negotiation is on Josh's side at this particular point, but I don't blame the team all that much for it because of all the other factors that were involved. I would have been okay with offering Josh Allen 25 a year. Last offseason, I would have been okay. I think a lot of people would have balked at that. Now they look in hindsight and they go, oh, but he had 17 and a half sacks, but you didn't know that. They, you didn't the have time. that piece of information. I was confident he could do that. Like, I was more confident than most that he could be that kind of player, was that kind of player. They didn't feel that way. Otherwise, they would have made that offer. I feel like to Josh Allen, like he's an important enough piece as a first-round pick, your best player on that side of the football. They weren't making that offer because I don't think they were confident it was going to be this. Well, now it's this. And so when he comes back at you and says, I want what Bosa got, I, I don't think the team is going to be willing to offer that kind of money. So you know, in the end, I think it winds up being on the – I I think he's going to wind up playing on the tag this year is how I think it's well, all going to work out. If they out. do get a long-term deal done with Josh Allen, at any point, yeah, right, in the summer even, 
right? And I know you just said you think he'll play on the tag. But let's say they get something worked out where they agree, okay, we're, we can live with this, you can live sure. with that, whatever the case may be. In the end, I, I don't fault them at all for how they've handled it because you what you got, in part, you don't know how much playing on the fifth-year option did motivate Josh Allen to go out there and put up those undeniable numbers. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying he's not been a motivated player before, but it is – Awfully coincidental how many guys have the biggest year of their career when their contract is up. And he did yeah. have that and by the, far. The franchise tag creates another one. Sure it does. Right. Right. And it it yeah. puts you in another situation where you kind of force that. And really, if it plays out in the next couple of years, even if he plays on the franchise tag for the next two-tone, you're going to probably end up paying him less in those two years than you would have uh had you signed him to a long-term deal yeah. in terms of the average annual value of the deal. So I do think there's – it's. I agree with you that there's more leverage on Josh's side, but there's. it's not completely on his side as far as I'm concerned. Because, you know, if he does sign – if he were to sign, let's say, five years, what, 140, mm-hmm. right? I mean, that that's not crazy to think, right? What would the guaranteed money be on five years, 140? At least half of it, right? Seventy-something yeah. million dollars guaranteed. Whereas if you play on the franchise tag, we all know you're guaranteed that money that year. But if you get hurt, that's it potentially, right? And that's what you get. Now, a lot of us would say, "Hey, give me twenty-two million before taxes <laughs> guaranteed, and I'll I'll find a way to survive on the remaining ten or eleven million or whatever." You mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? So. Um, you don't have a skill set that may be worth thirty. I, I wish I did. I, right. I, I wish I had a skill set that was worth a million. All yeah. right, uh, or uh, anything uh, even approaching that. But nevertheless, uh, it's a different world that they live in, and certainly they can uh, live on that money. But that doesn't mean they're not entitled to try to get more. Because no. again, you know, does anybody ever? I mean, I guess somebody probably does when the movie tanks. But, you know, when, when actors and actresses make $25, $30 million a picture, does anybody care? Yeah. Oh, my God, how am I going to do that? Oh, my God. Well, I'm not going to pay this this ridiculous yeah. price. The price is already ridiculous yeah. at the movies. And the the risk that we're talking about with playing on the franchise tag, the injury, all that kind of stuff, he's in a position right now to negotiate a long-term deal. You know, had that opportunity the last couple of years, that didn't get done with the Jaguars. But he may only get to negotiate one long-term deal in his in his professional career. Sure. He may only get one bite at that. Who knows if he gets hurt in two years, three years, when he's in the middle of whatever long-term deal he gets done, he may not get to do it two, three times like some guys do. You know, like not everyone's Vaughn Miller and has the fortune of being able to play You know what as else? long as he's been able to play. And if he does, good for him. But I'm not thinking about two contracts from now if I'm Josh Allen. I'm thinking about right now getting the most money that I can get with where I'm at, where the league is at right now. He's fortunate to be in the position that he's in. And, look, me saying that I think it's going to wind up with him playing on the the franchise tag, that's not what I want to see the outcome to be. I want them to get a long-term deal done with Josh. That's what I want them to get done. And I am willing to pay him the 30. That doesn't bother me to pay Josh Allen that kind of money uh, on a long-term deal. I don't know if the franchise is in a position right now where they'd be willing to make that kind of offer to Josh. Yeah, I don't care what the number is as long as they feel like they're going to be able to be 
you know competitive still paying right, somebody else moving forward yeah right and and that's part and people say, I, I don't want to hear about salary cap salary cap goes up it, it's still something you have to work yeah. within a certain set of you can't pay everyone anything they want i only care about the money in as much as what you just said how does it affect what else right they can i spend? don't care make a I don't make a care billion what they make. dollars doesn't make a difference i do to not me. care what any of these guys make all right you may not feel that way I, from the team's perspective though they could also be like hey you know we signed you this long-term deal what if you become an 11 sack guy you know, which is better than you've been for most of your career prior to last year, you know, so the, it goes both ways. Anyway, uh, the question today, the extra $13 million above the previous projections, does it make it more or less likely the Jags will be able to keep both Josh Allen and Calvin Ridley or not have a major impact either way? More likely, less likely, no major impact. That's your, uh, those are your options. You can vote on social media at MD underscore 1010XL. Don't forget at 1010XL Fat Tony and at 1010 XL Denmark. Ain't no laws when you're drinking claws, baby. Yeah, it's our guy right there. Six four one ten ten on the All Pro Roofing phone lines or the text line designed by Lifetime Enclosures. Frank Frangie going to join us coming up in about twenty five minutes to preview their combine trip as well as uh, get into this uh, scenario with the Jags and the franchise tag and the start of the league year and more cap space and all these wonderful, wonderful things. We got mock drafts of plenty on this Monday to dig into as well. So. We're off and rolling. You want to be a part of it, you know the ways to do it. You're listening to Jaguars today. Keep it right here on 1010XL and 92.5 FM. Now more Jaguars today on 1010XL. All right, odd topic of conversation on the break there, Tone. Um, It's the highest height you think you'd survive falling into, like, soft sand at the beach, right? Like, we're not talking about, like, full of glass and and various things. Just sand. Like sure. Nice, fluffy sand. Right? Not the hard pack stuff. I think you'd survive, like, a 100-foot fall if you landed well. Something mm-hmm. like that. You know, you'd have to land well. Obviously, you could fall from 10 feet and break your neck and be dead. You found a stat that says sure. what? Um, most people falling from 30 feet. Period. Period. Three stories. Yeah. Most of them die? Uh, most of them die. Now, maybe that's they die later because of things that happen with it. I'm not sure. Oh, that might exactly. be worse. Uh, but the the math on this, by the way, they they mentioned this as well. If you're falling from about 90 feet, uh-huh. by the time you hit whatever you're going to hit, you're going about 50 miles an hour. Okay. But I'm, yeah. I'm hitting soft sand. <laughs> that's true right I mean that's seriously right like I'm not saying it's ideal to fall no. from 50 feet onto the beach but I would think I'd have a decent chance of surviving yeah. that yeah. my weight was distributed it well. would absorb some gonna, of that yeah I want to land way on my better face. than concrete yes yeah that's all I'm saying yeah you know I, I don't even know how it came up but um we were just discussing yeah. various falls 30 <laughs> feet seems like like your instinct would be to, to try to land on your feet and you'd yeah. smash your legs apart and maybe, yeah. you know, you'd have some internal injury. I, I, I would think you could survive 30 feet. I would think so. But there's a difference between falling from 30 feet and jumping from 30 feet. Right? True. Like there's a significant difference. You There are people who slip and fall and die a lot. Right. Like True. That's on the not, sidewalk. Right. Like yes. that's not no, I uncommon. You. I hear so. you. All if right. you're doing it because it's like, I want to see how high I can jump from, it's a different Yeah, I don't scenario. know. I, again, I'm not saying, so, don't anybody try any of this, no. okay? Is Carl going to help us out with this? He's a, a former Navy SEAL, yeah, let we're us told. Know. So Carl's going to educate us real quick on how stupid we are on a number of things, I think. Carl, good morning. How are you? 
Hey, I'm great, guys. Listen to you 24-7, whether it's uh, awesome. Blue or Blink or everybody. Yeah, we but, appreciate um, you, man. Thank you. Appreciate you all. You make me a better fan. And um, I'm uh, a season ticket holder to everything we got in Jackson. But I've uh, unfortunately, I have fallen. We have an obstacle on the west coast uh, at, at SEAL training. Bud's basically got a water demolition SEAL training. I graduated class 149. And uh, you will fall. The highest point of that slide is about 45 feet. I fell from probably 35, but I have seen people fall, and they get right back up and go. Now, wow. understand, these guys are in much better condition. Sure. Probably Olympic calibish, uh, caliber uh, And what condition. are you falling onto, Carl, there? Like onto the beach, or what are you? What are yeah, you... right onto the beach. Okay. It's, it's, uh, it's just south of the Hotel Del Cornell. You could probably Google it while I'm talking to you and see the optical course from the uh, air. If you Google the Hotel Del Coronado, go south. And you could see our obstacle course. Not really a uh, secret, but uh, it's there's a few other obstacles. One of them's called the Dirty Name, and you could probably figure that out <laughs> because it's very hard to get over it. And you start cussing at it, and it's the actual name of the obstacle is the Dirty Name. Hey, let me but, ask um, you: for you as a as a Navy SEAL, and and uh, that is awesome. And uh, thanks for your service and all that. What what was the toughest, the single toughest thing you had to overcome to become a SEAL, in your opinion? Well, um, there was 600 that applied. There was 128 that um, was in my class, and 16 graduated. The The toughest part was the breath holding. We went out to San Clemente Island, and we do a thing called obstacle loading, and you've got to swim down and put explosives on obstacles, and you're holding your breath. Now, at the time, I could probably hold my breath for about 2 minutes and 30 seconds, and there was guys that were doing it close to four minutes. But you're doing this in in a chop of about four feet out um, off the coast of San Clemente Island, which is right next to Catalina. So you're seeing all these people on vacation, and you're getting kicked in the groin. Yes. Um, several <laughs> times. So by the instructors. And uh, so that was, uh, that was my hardest part. Fortunately, I had a wonderful swim buddy who lives in Melbourne. We're best of friends now. Uh, he comes up. He was actually, uh, we were at the uh, Jags Chargers game together. And, uh, but that was, uh, it's, it's, it's physically anyone can do it, guys. It's the mental. Man, just when you think you're done, you, you do 10 four-mile runs on the beach. And then you get that instructor in there on a Friday afternoon, and it's 4.30. And you think, okay, I'm going to go have a beer because you have weekends off. And he runs you into the compound. And you mentally think, okay, we're done. And he turns around and he takes off for four more. And oh. He tries to break that spirit. And that's what it is, man. He just, uh, he tried. And what you need, I mean, we're the only special forces that's called teams. So you got to lean on your feet. And you, it, they're going to break you. And it just, you need, you need that buddy to carry you through, whether it's the physics class, whether it's a physical evolution or whatever. And it was an honor to serve. We did 25 years, four combat deployments. Uh, got a little hurt sometimes, but uh, always got back and finished the fight and uh, loved every minute of it. It was an honor to serve. Well, we appreciate you, Carl. Uh, listen, let me wrap up with this. Uh, they didn't break you. Has Trent Balky succeeded <laughs> at this point in time? How 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 are you holding you know, up? Sometimes he does, sometimes he doesn't. I will <laughs> tell you this. It's always easier to remember when somebody Fs up than when somebody does well. And I'm, it's hard for me to remember what he did. That's all I can say. Hey, Anton Harrison. I, I've already got my, Anton Harrison. We got a, I, yeah, you know, a couple I've of good my, ones. 
I've got my season tickets already, and I will share something with you that I yeah. found out this weekend. I was down, I was down watching the uh, the college games played, and I was talking to one of the supervisors, the college baseball games at the at the baseball grounds, mm-hmm. and I noticed some work was being done behind right field. All the bleachers were gone, and I asked the guy, "I said, what's going on here? I don't know if you guys are aware they're they're building a three story building behind right field that is going to." have eateries and restaurants, which God knows we need them down there because, you know, there's no place to go before or after the game. And I asked the guy, I said, oh, that's cool. They've already broken ground and started. And I said, well, I guess that's going to take the baseball grounds out of uh, the play for possibly when the Jags are doing the stadium and playing here. And he said, they're playing Orlando. They've already told us. And I'm like, really? Really? Goes, the first person to tell. This is what the guy told me, okay? And I figure if there's... <laughs> 800 people supporting the staff selling beer concession. That's what he told me. So, All right. Well, uh, hey, Carl, I, I far like, be it from me to doubt a Navy SEAL, brother. So, you know, we're just, no, you know, yeah, I'm not I'm confirming just, or denying your report. I'm just, I, I appreciate you passing it along. It is interesting. I'm just telling you what the guy who had the shirt on that was getting paid to be at the game, I was watching the game. I'm just passing that along. I hear you, and, and, and we're not taking it as gospel. Carl, thanks so much, man. That was enjoyable to hear about your experience, and I uh, hope people appreciated a slight departure uh, to uh, to revel in the tales of a 25-year Navy SEAL Jaguar fan. So thanks for the call this morning, bud. Big fat Harry 10-4. See you guys. There you go. Big fat Harry 10-4. I think is what he's – I'm mm-hmm. not sure right there, Tony. Uh, that was awesome. It was. Honestly. I appreciate him saying that anybody can do it. Come on. All right. <laughs> no, I, I think what he's saying is a lot of people could handle it, it physically. Sure. But it's like the thing that, that always gets me, right? You, like you ever get in the shower and the, you first turn on the shower mm-hmm. and it's cold for about mm-hmm. 10 seconds, right, until the, sure. until the water warms up. And I'll stand there, man. Sometimes I'll let the water run for a second, and I'll stand there, I'll wait for it. And I always think, if I were in the military, I'd have about 30 <laughs> seconds to get in this cold shower, right? And I always think, like, when you uh, – I read the SEAL Team 6 book and, and stuff like that when it first came out. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when they talk about being in the waves, and they just kind of have to lay in the waves and how cold the water is. And all they have to do is lay there, and they're like – Come on in. Have a shower. <laughs> right? Like, And, of course, if you come in, you're done. You're out of the program. Yeah. And just it's that part. It's not even the physical doing anything. It's it's laying there in the cold water, not being able to get out of it when Endure. knowing yeah. that warmth is right there for you. Yeah. That might be a tough one for me. But, Carl, that awesome story. hope everybody appreciated mm-hmm. a little detour right there. And, um, you know, let's uh, – Carl's still hanging in there. He's already got his season tickets. If that guy can do it, right, we could all still have a little bit of hope. Uh, Frank Frangi, voice of the Jaguars, joins us next. And uh, Frank will tell us about plans to cover the combine as uh, Frank and Hayes and Mia will all be on the ground in Indianapolis. I think they're heading over there tonight, as a matter of fact. And as well as his thoughts on what the Jags are going to do in terms of the franchise tag with Allen, with Ridley, with the extra cap space and plans for the offseason. That's coming up next right here on Jaguars Today with Tony Smith and Dylan Denmark. I'm Mike Dempsey on 1010XL and 92.5 FM. Jaguars Today on 1010XL. All right, we got uh, Frank Frangi swinging on by here in just a a few moments uh, as he's on his way into. 1010XL World Headquarters. He's going to join us here in studio and 
little combine preview uh, as uh, Doug Peterson and Trent Baalke will speak tomorrow. Look at that timing right there. <laughs> what, he got? what kind of shoe, what kind of footwear are we oh, looking boy. at over there? Everybody I got Cole Hans. They're right there. They're kind of like white laces. And you say that as if I, that means something to me. <laughs> right when I was saying that, I they said, look, he has no idea. They look sort of – throw that, throw that Cole Haan up on the, see, on the desk this. so people can see that yeah, right there I, in the I'm camera. not limber enough Are for the desk. My, uh, I'm see, an old I, guy. I don't know if I can <laughs> – See there? I you did it without help, though. Yeah, see there? There's I got to grab my knee yeah. to get my oh, I helped foot a little. Up top. I helped a little. All so right. Well, very nice. They're nice. They're nice kind of dressy casual. That's exactly right. Is what they are right now. Looking sharp. How are things in the Frank Frangie world? Things are good. Thank you for asking, Mike. Everything is great, and uh, looking forward to the combine tomorrow. And football season starts. There's not much of an off season, by I the way. Put so, football so season away. Yeah. Tell us about the the new baseball facility. Mike, thank you for asking, and thank you for your kind comments on, on Twitter too. I'm really proud of it. Don't this, know how to spell your name. By the <laughs> that way, that was funny. <laughs> been there, by the way. Um, uh, the the city has been great. Uh, the city worked in concert with us. The three year project, about a seven million dollar project. The only artificial turf baseball fields in Jacksonville. All these other cities have them, and we wanted to do it, Mike. I said, I'd get walk-off involved if we can use it as a revenue stream for our kids in the inner city. We're trying to help kids in downtown and the west side and the north side. And when these tournaments come here, the revenues go to our kids in the inner city, and our kids get to play on it. So it's a, it's, it's a, it's a labor of love. For, I've worked on it forever. It's been a lifetime passion or lifelong passion for me. And we, we were able to, we were able to uh, um, cut the ribbon. We cut the ribbon. We had a couple hundred people there. God bless me. I'm the only guy in the world that can bring the mayor out and get her drenched. The minute we started, oh, no. <laughs> the minute we started, I mean, it, it said, it said, okay, showers in the afternoon, nothing in the morning except maybe a brief shower. Buddy, that brief shower came at 10 o'clock. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Lasted 12 minutes. Tony, our, our, our ribbon cutting was 20. Uh-huh. So we had eight dry minutes, but it was wonderful. Thank you for asking. I'm going to guess that's good luck. Yeah, right? That's exactly right. I don't right. know that to be yeah. the case, but I'm going yeah. to presume that it's good Let, luck. Let's hope. It, but it was a wonderful day, and thank you for asking. And I can't wait for people to see this beautiful new ballpark. All right. Well, uh, tell us about the combine plans. I mean, we could. We'll start there. Yeah. Um, you and Hayes and Mia are right, going, right. and uh, how long are you broadcasting this week? I know, obviously, Doug and Trent will talk tomorrow. Right. Doug and Trent will talk to the general media tomorrow. Then they're going to join me afterwards, and so we'll have that on when we go on the air. Uh, they're going to come by about that time, and so I'll have both of those guys one-on-one. So uh, Hayes, Mia, and I will be there for really for four days. We'll be there for all of today, all of Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday shows We'll get a lot of information on Friday, then kind of come back, uh, travel during the day. But yeah, it's a, and you know the combine, Mike. It's it's a convention. It's yeah, they go to watch players work out and talk to them and test them medically. But it's also a it's a convention. It's for every every assistant coach in the league's there. Most of the head coaches are there, and they talk about how their season went and they compare ideas and they compare strategies. So that's what they do. What we'll do is bring as much radio as we can. We're going to talk to as many coaches as we can. We're going to talk to uh, Hayes and Mia will be those podiums, getting their podium sound. Mia's going to have – she does such a good job with all that, all the video we do and all the digital piece. So three days of grinding from there. Mia will spend a lot of time on prime time while we're up there. And then Hayes and I will do our entire show from up there uh, coming up next three days. What are you looking to ask either Trent or Doug yeah. tomorrow when you get the opportunity to speak with them? I, I think certainly the – the and I'll and I've got a great relationship with Doug. I spent a lot of time with him, and I want he'll look back and say, you know, how did it change in those that last month and a half, Tony? I, I think not what went wrong. He's he's talked about that enough. But how do you fix it? How do, how do you get better? Uh, and, and as far as Trent, just the obvious the obvious question about the roster. Um, I think there's concerns on both lines, and I'm going to ask him that. He spoke to that in his post postseason presser that 
look, they weren't very physical at the end. They, they, they lost because they weren't physical at the end. It, we really saw it uh, in the last game of the year when the, those gaping holes for Derrick Henry uh, really cost the Jaguars a playoff spot, really. So I, I'm going to ask Trent about the roster. we got to ask him about the Josh Allen thing if it hasn't played out by then. What do you do with Calvin Ridley? You know, the, all of our conventional thinking is in a perfect world, you extend Josh and tag Calvin and both are on the football team. But is that where they are? And I'll certainly ask those questions. Well, it doesn't appear like that's where they are, right? But, uh, you know, part of it that we don't know the answer to is how much does Josh's camp want to go, well, wait a minute, let's see what these other guys get. Yeah, like, yeah, I, right. why, why should I lowball myself? Right at this point, we're right. this close. Like, right. does John? What would it take, Frank, to take Josh Allen off the market yeah. before the franchise tag needs to be applied? And that's the number you have to. And I don't know that number, but that's the question you have to ask. And you made a great point, Mike. I, I think people have said shame on the Jags for not having signed Josh Allen by now. Well, there's two. It takes two to tango. Where's the Josh Allen camp? He had 17 and a half sacks. Mm -hmm. He's a young guy. He's got a reputation around the league of being an all-world teammate, all-world family guy, really good person who works really hard, and he had 17 and a half sacks. He may, and who can blame him if he's trying to break the bank, right? And at some point, that's why they have the tag. The, the, the whole purpose of the franchise tag is, when, is to protect a guy like that. It's not to protect a guy down the road. It's to protect your, one of your best players from walking in a, in a circumstance like that. So I don't know the number to your question, but yeah, I'm not so. It's not, you knew it wasn't going to be easy. This is a guy that had 17 and a half sacks, and it wasn't going to be easy. So, so we'll see where it goes. Yeah, I think we all can figure now. He's probably going to get tagged. He's probably going to get tagged, which means, and I don't think they're going to sign Ridley and give up the second round pick. I'm guessing here. So I'm guessing Ridley hits the market. That would be my guess. Which doesn't mean they can't sign him. Correct. Right. There, there could even be a gentleman's agreement, for all we know. Well, that's what John Shipley alluded to last yeah. week. He thinks yeah. they're working on the framework of a deal. Well, I, I think – and and why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you do that? Why wouldn't you have a gentleman's agreement? Calvin, we can't do it now. Here's what I do, Frank. I tell him you got until 405. Yeah. That's how long this yeah. – once the, the league year opens at four. Right. If you don't sign it immediately, then okay, I understand. You want to shop yeah. it around, but then we may allocate our resources somewhere else too. I can tell you this, and I do know this, that Calvin Camp wants to be here. He doesn't want to go to another city, learn another system – get to know another quarterback, get to know other receivers. Uh, if you assume Zay Jones is back, let's assume for just the sake of this conversation. Do you assume he is back? Uh, for the sake of this conversation, okay. I will. All right. um, Zay Jones had a lot to do with Calvin's success. They were close. Zay understood the offense really well. Zay helped Calvin, I can tell you, helped Calvin immensely understand that offense. And I think if you assume he's back for the sake of this conversation, I can promise you Calvin Ridley wants to be here. Now you take the best deal. You don't want – not at the expense of not getting more money. I understand that. But I think Calvin is more – everybody knows Josh wants to be here. He's building a house. He loves it here. His wife, the kids love it here. That hasn't been talked about as much with Calvin, but I can tell you that Calvin Camp wants to be here if there's any way possible, really wants to be well, here. Well, sure. I think if the Jags are, are competitive right at the top of what's being bid, I don't think there's any question no that question. it'll come back. But that's the question, Tony. Mm -hmm. What? What's – how much – wiggle room at all with the no state income tax with the desire to have the continuity there's got to be a number that he'd take a little bit less here because those things do line up in his favor I would think yeah it's the thing that keeps me believing that there's a real chance that Calvin Ridley will come back in a typical situation like this I'm like no he's gone someone's going to offer more money right. than Jacksonville will that's how free agency works they go where the money is but the Calvin stuff has enough 
of those kind of intangible things that it feels like the Jags have a better than even chance to get him back. And to that end, back to Mike's question to me a minute ago, do I think Zay Jones will be here? He is connected to all of that. Zay Jones and Calvin bonded in a way. Uh, they were better when they were – Calvin was better when Zay was on the field at the same time. There's something to that. The Zay Jones thing didn't go great either in Buffalo and other places. He kind of found a home here too. So I'm not trying to be Pollyanna guy, but there is some truth to that. There's always a bond with the quarterback, and he takes the receivers, and they go on an island, and they go throw, and they love each other. But I think there's a little something to that here. I, I, in my heart of hearts, I believe that. So, yes, I think Zay Jones is going to be on the team. It's interesting, though, because you got if you do have Calvin back, he's yep. a 1,000-yard yep. guy, you would expect a bump in production, right? You look at what Kirk is doing, and he could push for 1,000 yards right. as well if he doesn't miss that time. You know, Zay had an injury-plague season, and you could save about $5 million bucks in Correct. cap space Correct. by moving on from him, too. That might be one of the guys. Everybody says, with the cap being bigger than we all thought it was going to be. Maybe that saves him. Who does it save? It might be Zay. Maybe. I don't know that it's – to save Cam, it's still $16 million. Mm. But for a guy like Zay Jones, who's about four or five, you're right. That He could be a guy that got that's here now that wouldn't – I'm telling you, he's an important part of what they do. I, I really, really believe that. How far should the Jaguars be willing to go? And the negotiations with Josh Allen. Should they be be willing to make an offer that makes it competitive with Bosa, right? Around that $34 million a year. And if it's not going to be that, then how far should they be willing to go? Yeah, I'm not good at that. I'm not good at the numbers. I don't think he gets Bosa money, mm-hmm. but I think he's going to get paid. So is that 28, 29? If he's not going to get Bosa money, yeah, this seems yeah. so simple. Yeah, and, and I might be way off now. I just don't think uh, my opinion is, and maybe that's where we are. Maybe he's trying to get well north of 30 and they're not there and and so but I, my guess is by the way I think Josh is going to get done mm-hmm. not just not and I don't think he's going to play on the tag he may get tagged immediately uh, initially it'll be a little bit like Ingram last year Ingram was never going to agree that he yeah. will get done at some point yeah. as well yeah Ingram was never going to play on the tag the tag was a, was a placeholder because everybody same story with him it had failed in New York he almost gave up football and he there there was no way Evan was leaving Unless it was just a ridiculously low offer. So um, we got like three minutes left. Let's right. pepper Frank Frangie with these questions here. Um, you got it. Is Cam Robinson a cap casualty? Uh, I think so. Okay. I think so. I uh, when I saw the cap, how big the cap was, thirty million higher. I thought maybe not, but I think Anton. But that you know yeah. that the seventeen yeah. of that was already cooked in. Yeah, right? you're, like, you're right. You're so right. from where we expected yeah. it to be, and I wonder how, if yeah. the teams didn't already have a sense that it was going to yeah. be higher yeah. than that anyway. Maybe they did. My guess is uh, Cam Robinson is is cut. Anton Harrison becomes a left tackle. Walker Little's a right tackle. Do they uh, double down on Luke Fortner as the center of this team? Yes, I think they. Uh, I think they believe in him. He's got to be better. He's got to be more physical. He's got to play better. But I don't think they've given up on Luke Fortner. Is Ezra Cleveland back? I think so. He's athletic. He's the most athletic offensive lineman. He's the best screen pass offensive lineman guard you'll find. He's not as physical, but that's how they play. They're a horizontal team. They like to get their linemen in space. I think they're going to work very hard to get him back. Uh, Brandon Sheriff, cap casualty? I think so. Okay. Uh, what about Rayshon Jenkins? I think so. I've, and one of the parts with that Rayshon Jenkins is they really like Antonio Johnson. Now, he can do a lot of things. Sure. He's a that, guy that's that can play. That's what I nickel. think a lot of people yeah. feel yeah. okay yeah. They, about. But they, right? they like, really like him. They think, they think, every, sometimes you get these fifth round guys and go, boy, he's a steal. He's supposed to go higher. That dude was really a steal. Do you think the Jags will sign a player in free agency with an average annual contract of $10 million a year or more? 
That's, that's not that's it, a, they used that's to good, they used to be massive money. That's now. that's a good question. Yes. Okay. And here's why. I don't have a guy. Mike, they're in their window. This you have is, a position? This, this is the uh, I think a big guy. Okay. Someone big. Can I go? Can I? You, yes. Will you let we'll me take off a, the We'll take will a defensive me, tackle. Will you let me off the hook if I just say big? Mm-hmm. Okay, because I think they're in their window, Mike. I, I think this is they. Th- they think they are close. I know they collapsed at the end of the season, but they believe they're close. They got the coach. They got the quarterback. They got a really good running back. They got a good receiver room. They like their two linebackers. Uh, their corner. I think they're going to add a corner, but I think their corners played okay. I, I I think Andre Cisco and Antonio Johnson together are really good. I think they feel like they're close. And when you're close, you spend the money. I, we were talking about this the other day. You know when they went and got Bryce Pop and Carnell Lake and Hardy Nickerson and everybody and their brother because they thought they were there. Yeah, so, and, and nobody and, should fault them for yeah, doing yeah, that. Yeah, I think they think they're there, and I think you'll see that. All right, Tony, you get one more question with Frank Frangie. Make it a good Whew. one. Uh, Foley Fadakasi, is he still here talking about big guys? I don't think so. Okay. I don't think he's going to be on the football team. I, think I, they're gonna I, move I had a smart-A question for Frank, and I forgot it. I, <laughs> dang, dang it. Dang it, man. Dang it. It's, it's, well, there you, it's, it wasn't the shoes. Though. Oh, I know what it was. Was it the shoes? Not no, the shoes. No, and nothing to do with your attire, which is <laughs> spectacular. Thank you for uh, that. Thank you. How hard should we go in to try and save the franchise by bringing back Nathan Rourke? Huh. Oh, I think I think every dollar you every got, asset every dollar, every asset, that thirteen million. I'd you give think him, is not enough. Probably. I would consider team ownership is what I would do. I would <laughs> a, just a, a piece, slice some of stock. The action. Stock is what I would give. All him. right. Well, uh, Frank, uh, we appreciate right, boys. it. Boys, you um, guys are great. I love coming in here. Thank you for asking. Well, me. Frank underscore Frangi is where you find. Don't don't put Frankie. And honestly, I don't. <laughs> I really don't know right. if I got autocorrected now in yeah, hindsight yeah, yeah. or not, but it's. Funnier to think I'm just that stupid. You know? <laughs> We've been and all been there. it's possible I am. We have all been there. We've all had our stupid moments. You're anyway, good. great job at Walk Off Charities, and uh, have a safe trip. Thank you, Mike. Appreciate all right, we'll see you later. Frank Frangi, ladies and gentlemen, the voice of your Jacksonville Jaguars. The Frangie Show coming up this afternoon at 3 o'clock here on 1010XL 92.5 FM. Halfway home if you want to get in, 641-1010 is the easiest way to do it. And uh, don't forget to vote in our one-click poll. Does the extra $13 million in cap space make it more likely Josh Allen and Calvin Ridley are back. Less likely, or is there no major impact on that as far as the Jaguars are concerned? This is Jaguars Today on 1010XL and 92.5 FM. Everything you need to know about the Jags. Jaguars Today on 1010XL. And I do know this. The Calvin Camp wants to be here. He doesn't want to go to another city, learn another system, get to know another quarterback, get to know other receivers. Zay Jones had a lot to do with Calvin's success. They were close. Zay understood the offense really well. Zay helped Calvin, I can tell you, helped Calvin immensely understand that offense. And I think if you assume he's back for the sake of this conversation, I can promise you Calvin Ridley wants a beard. Hi, that's Frank Frangie, voice of your Jaguars, to stop by the studio a few minutes ago to talk all things Jags with us here, and uh, including that. Uh, boy, I, I hope... That and I understand relationships and the makeup of the locker room and all that stuff. I hope that Zay Jones' buddy status, right? Is that overstating the situation? Doesn't keep him on the roster simply for that reason? Like to me, adding the thirteen million isn't like oh, I'm going to keep these guys. You needed to get under the cap just to make some moves in more important areas. Like Frank said. He thinks he'll sign a big guy. Like, think guard, defensive tackle, big-bodied guy, right? And he thinks he'll sign one of those guys from another team in that $10 million-plus range. The make moves like that, you've got to 
create more cap space than you currently have. And not that it can't be created, and it doesn't have to be created through Zay Jones. I'm just thinking that's kind of interesting to me that, you know, A, all right, so what are you saying? Calvin wouldn't want to re-sign here if Zay weren't here? That it, uh, Being Calvin Ridley's buddy, uh, Zay Jones is a good player, but he wasn't super productive last year because he was hurt a lot. And you have to wonder now, with the cap charge going up significantly in the third year here in Jacksonville, is he still a value to this team with his expected production? I don't know that, that he is, uh, quite frankly. I'm not saying that he's definitely not, but the whole, if Zay Jones is back, it makes Calvin Ridley more likely. Like I, I'm, I'm not making Calvin Ridley any promises about Zay Jones being on or off the roster. I'm not tying up two roster spots to make one guy happy. If you think that Zay Jones can contribute at the level that he's going to be compensated for or better, then fine. I have no issue with Zay. I think Zay's a good player. I think he's a great player. And there was a lot of talk when he was not in the lineup how that impacted a lot of what they tried to do offensively last year. But uh, still... I'm more concerned with Zay's own production than his relationship with Calvin Ridley coming back. A couple of other things. Um, That was pretty quick dismissal, Tony, of any thought that Luke Fortner won't be the center of the Jacksonville Jaguars. That doesn't mean Frank's right, but, I mean, I think there's been more praise about, you know, Luke's a good player, that kind of stuff, then obvious we need to get stronger in the middle of that offensive line. Yes, there was some acknowledgement of that, but I have a feeling they're going to be like, yeah, the guy who has started for us for the last two years needs to get stronger, but he does have 32 or thirty more than 32 games of starting experience now, yeah. 34. 36 uh, thir- with, the right, playoff with the playoffs. Yeah. Right, so as much as we'd like to see that happen, I wonder – if their evaluation of Jackson Powers Johnson is that he's worth a top 15 pick mm-hmm. and he's sitting there at 17, mm-hmm. I think what, that does, feels, does that change your calculus? Right. I think that feels like a we're willing to pull the trigger on that guy. Right? Like that's kind of what that feels like to me. I With the free agent centers that are going to be available. There's a number of them out there. I know. There's a bunch. I wouldn't be surprised if they pass on all that. It's not what I would do, but I wouldn't be surprised if they would pass on all of that and say, if they're at 17 and Jackson Powers Johnson is there, I wouldn't be surprised if they say, that's the guy that we can move on from and build this around, right? Like, I wouldn't be surprised if that's the way they feel about it. And if that's not the guy that's available, now he may be still third or fourth on the list of guys that if they're available, we're going this direction, right? right? Like, it doesn't mean if he's available, that's what we're doing. I think if he's available, we've already done the calculus as to what our thinking is on whether or not he can be the center for us, you know, long-term. I think they are more comfortable with Luke Fortner being the center for the next two years than basically anybody else in the world, right? (laughs) That Luke Fortner being the center for the next two years doesn't seem to bother the Jaguars, as much as it bothers everybody else. No question. That Fortner might be the center for the next two years. So, with that being in the conversation here, I don't think that they're going to spend big money at center in free agency. But I wouldn't be surprised if because of the kind of prospect that Jackson Powers Johnson is, 
that if they're there at 17, I don't think it's impossible that he's the highest graded guy they have, right, on their board when they're picking at 17. I think that if he is in that situation, you you draft that guy. And look, if, if it means Fortner's not the center anymore, so what? Right. Well, here's the interesting thing, or one of the interesting things to me, if they feel that way about him, like he'll be, hey, we're looking at him, we got him ranked. 14th. I, I don't know. And maybe they won't. Maybe they haven't ranked 31st overall. They might. Right? And, and if they and, do, then it's not a consideration. And then it's not even going to be a thought. But yeah. let's say they do like him, and it's going to be pretty clear that he is at least equal to anybody that's on their board because of the nature of the scarcity of how many top-level guys are. Now, you can find center. You don't have to have the best center in the league. You just don't. Okay? It, it no. Helpful? Absolutely. Right? But – this team could improve greatly by having a league average center. Yes. But would you consider, because so many mocks have Jackson Powers Johnson going right before the Jags. Absolutely. With the 16th pick. I don't think they're moving. So I'm saying. Like, yeah. how if he's the top guy on your board yeah. at that range and you could see it coming and you're afraid that the team right in front of you is going to be the one that poaches him, maybe they'll have enough guys equally graded that yeah. they can easily pivot to another player. I but. would think the gap between him and whoever that next group of two or three guys might be has to be pretty sizable for them to consider doing something like that. Um, Bill Barnwell did a piece over at ESPN on the best free agents available. I don't know why he did it this way, but quarterback tight end and offensive line, he grouped mm -hmm. into tiers today. And we'll just look at the offensive lineman here. He grouped him into the first tier as franchise player. He said, Jason Kelsey's still that, despite the age. Jason Kelsey's not coming here. If Jason no. Kelsey uh, doesn't retire, He's gonna. why wouldn't he stay with the only team that he's ever played for? Yeah, it doesn't make sense. Right, that's yeah. a contender. It's not like yeah. they're not a contender. <clears throat> right, he fits in great there. They have a good offensive line, all that. So, Jason Kelsey, not a realistic option. Pro Bowl caliber starters. He lists one center, Kevin Dotson of the Rams. He also lists what he thinks guys in this range will get. He thinks $12 million per year mm -hmm. gets you a center out of this group. If you're a Pro Bowl caliber starter, $20 million per year to play left tackle, 16 to play guard, <laughs> which goes to show you again, the NFL spends less on center. Yes. They do than they do on these other positions. Why is that? And I'm not saying it's not an important position, but the NFL is signaling it's not as important a position yeah. or it's easier to fill. I think the lack of anything that the Jags got from the position this year has elevated it in the fans' minds. Absolutely. I think as bad as the position was for him this year with Fortner that they're like, this has got to be a priority. And I don't disagree that interior offensive line is a big priority. The top priority as far as positions on the roster that they need to address. It's the top priority. Interior offensive line, those middle three spots. But from a league perspective, again, it's the conversation we were having with the poll last week, right? It's you don't need your center to be a star. You need your center to get out of the way, right? Like, that's what you need out of your center, basically. It allows the offense to function. And I thought Fortner got out of the way his rookie year. I don't think he played great, right? But I don't think he was like, the offense can't function with this guy. And there were times last season where the offense didn't function well because of him, right? There were things that he was getting in the way of. He can't do that. 
and remain the center of the football team, which is why you and I and a bunch of people would be ready to move on from Fortner now. But the importance of the position from a league perspective explains why the Jags aren't doing the same kind of mental gymnastics to try to replace them that everybody else is. They're saying, it's a center. We just need him to be better. Right. Well, in this column, the next tier down is capable starters. Mm -hmm. All right. Tyler Biotish and Lloyd Cushenberry. Look, I'm not going to sit here and tell you. I can't break down Lloyd Cushenberry's right. game. You know what I mean? Like, is he better than what we have? I'm going to guess yes, because I'm going to guess that based on what the people who grade offensive line tell you is that almost any center in the league right now is better than what we have here. Yes. Is it worth investing $8 million a year in one of those guys? That's the level that this group falls into. He also puts as a possible cap casualty um, a few guys in there, but they're really tackles and guards. So there are a couple of and, – and there are plenty of guards, by the way, in this list yeah. that could be of interest to the Jaguars as well, but we're really just focusing on centers right now. You move beyond that to borderline starters and high-end backups. Mason Cole just got released by the Steelers, as yep. a for instance. There are a lot of centers on this list. And his projected price range is only $3 million bucks for center. But if you're only a borderline starter or a high-end backup, mm-hmm. how do you even compare to what we have here in Jacksonville? That's where they've really got to do some introspection on what they're dealing with and how they feel about it. And it may just be a case that they're always going to feel better about Luke Fortner than anybody else is, and that they're looking at it like, okay, sure, we could invest here, but to improve by what degree and then by using, let's say, $8 million on that position when you already got a guy who started for you the last couple of years, not saying you can't improve, but is that the best use of your resources or would you be better suited taking that $8 million and using some of it on Calvin Ridley, some of it on Josh Allen, or going out there and getting a starting right guard or any number of other things. Yeah. And these are the decisions, the calculus that they've got to go through. Yeah, and I would expect that the calculus from the franchise side is going to be we'd rather spend the money elsewhere. Like I think that's where ultimately they're going to land, is we'd rather spend the money elsewhere. We're going to be okay at center. I think that's what they're going to think. And that's how the offseason is likely to play out, is that they will feel okay with Fortner being the center going into year three, even if a bunch of people aren't okay with Fortner being going into year three. And I would be listed among the people that I'm not okay with them not doing anything to address the center position, but I think ultimately it's likely that that's the way this offseason plays out. They don't address center. I think they address the guards. Right. Well, they have to. Right. Like I, I expect them to do one of them. I expect them, and I wouldn't be surprised if they were gonna, you know, spend in that kind of eight, ten million dollar range on a player. I wouldn't be surprised if it was one of these interior linemen. Be Ezra Cleveland. Right. Ultimately, that's the kind of guy that they're spending. That's that's fine. I, but I think they got to figure out exactly what that looks like. And as I said, I wouldn't be surprised at all if we go through the entire offseason and they didn't do anything to address center specifically. I, I still expect them to address the interior of the offensive line pretty heavily. By the way, Ezra Cleveland listed in here, because this does all the offensive line positions in this uh, article, mm-hmm. in Tier 5, which is a backup likely to net guaranteed money. In other words, a guy who's prob- probably better suited as a backup, but he'll get 
he'll gets get to play. more than like yeah. a, an unguaranteed contract. He'll yeah. get something, and that's a large, large list of players. Or and that includes Tyler Shatley, yeah. by the way. So, I was listening to a uh, PFT podcast. They were going through all the teams in the AFC and where they would be focusing, whether it be free agency or the draft, like which would be more important for each team. Basically, 80% of the AFC, one of their top two focuses was offensive line. Offensive mm. line and wide receiver. Offensive line and oh. wide receiver. It's virtually everywhere in the league. Offensive line and wide receiver. You're not alone, Jacksonville. Like Everyone has around the same kind of needs as far as what they're going to have to address at some point in this offseason. How do you do allocating those resources? No doubt. All right, let's come back. Tony will take us around the league, and then we'll uh, discuss today's question of the day. Does the increase in salary cap space over projection make it more, less likely that Josh Allen and Calvin Ridley will be here, or will there be no discernible difference in the likelihood that they both return to the Jacksonville Jaguars? Mike Dempsey, Tony Smith, Dylan Denmark here with you. 641-1010 gets you on board in the All-Pro Roofing phone lines or the text line designed by Lifetime Enclosures. This is Jaguars Today on 1010XL 92.5 FM. Jaguars Today on 1010XL. All right, we continue along on this Monday combine this week. Uh, Frangie, the Hammer, and Mia will be in Indianapolis uh, tonight and uh, for most of the week then bringing you coverage of the scouting combine, including uh, interviews on the Frangie show tomorrow with both Doug Peterson and Trent Volk. Mm -hmm. So coming your way. And those guys will speak tomorrow. So we'll hear the press conference, what they say to the league at large, as well as uh, to Frank and Hayes and Lauren. Uh, later on in the day, and I'd like to thank the Frangie Show for bo- providing us our Wednesday show content. <laughs> right there. Yeah. Possibly the Thursday show mm-hmm. as well. You never know how that goes. Uh, D-Rock's going to join us tomorrow as well to talk all things uh, Jaguar offseason. But first, uh, let's talk about other teams' issues and circumstances. Let's go around the league. Now, gems around the NFL, brought to you by Beaches Jewelry and Pawn in Jack's Beach. Quarterbacks Caleb Williams and Jaden Daniels will be in Indiana this week for the NFL Combine, but both have said that they will not be Indianapolis, not be working out for scouts until their their pro days. Wide receiver Marvin Harrison Jr., he's not going at all uh, to the NFL Combine, so no team's going to be able to talk to him until his pro day. Ian Rappaport reported on Friday that the Cincinnati Bengals will be using the franchise tag on wide receiver T. Higgins, the tag is, is expected to be for around $21.8 million. This isn't a surprise. Most have assumed that the Bengals would be using that tag on Higgins throughout this process. The Miami Dolphins will be releasing cornerback Xavier Howard and defensive end Emmanuel Ogba. The Ogba release will save the Dolphins $13.7 million in cap space, while the Howard release and the money saved will depend on whether they choose to give him a post-June 1st designation. Richard Sherman is expected to be in court today after being arrested on Saturday on suspicion of DUI in Washington State. A trooper who responded to Sherman's traffic stop said in the report that he noticed the odor of intoxicants and that Sherman's eyes appeared to be bloodshot and watery. The NFL announced on Friday that the salary cap this year will be a record 255.4 million dollars per team, a 13.6 percent increase. Over last year's number. Also a lot of talk that uh, the NFL is looking hard at the XFL's current kickoff model yeah. for the upcoming season, yeah. by the way, which would be a radical 
change from what you're used to. Yes. Uh, as the NFL currently kicks off at the 35, what is it, the 35? Yes, the 35-yard line, right? The XFL kicks off five yards further away, um, but the difference is all of the teammates of the kicker are at the opponent's 35-yard line, yeah. five yards away from the up men or whatever. There'd be no onside kicking. Yeah, obviously. it's more like a play from scrimmage than it is a kickoff that you're used to. The, the thing is, nobody can move except the kicker and the returner until he catches until it. Until he catches it. What if, so then are you not allowed to, what if you hit a shank? Like, one of the, like you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, there's got to be a little bit of, well, it looked like the ball was coming to me, so I moved to try to field the ball. But mm-hmm. regardless, put that aside, you field it. The idea would be you don't have these full speed guys have been sprinting 40, 50 yard collisions. They're only starting from a five yard head start, and they got a guy right in front of them that they got to deal with to block them. Yeah. Uh, touchbacks, I believe, go, is it the 35 yard line? Yes, touchbacks are the 35. So they are increasing or trying to increase the frequency of kickoffs. Yeah. And you are moving it back five yards, but all these teams that have that weapon of the guy can just kick it through the end zone, you'd be penalized now. Yeah, I watched a little bit of it last year with just in part because I wanted to see what that rule would look like in practice. Mm -hmm. And what it looked like was not a lot of big plays on kick returns. (laughs) It's what it looked like ultimately, which I don't think the league is all that upset about. You know, it would create the opportunity maybe for the occasional big play. You'd have a lot more returns, obviously. The statistics right. tell and you. you think if you uh, occasionally you'd get a guy that, you know, you get it blocked right for just a second. Create and, a seam and he's gone. Right. You don't have anybody like hanging back but the kicker. Yeah. So, I don't know. Um, I, I think we're going to see something like that eventually. They're going to keep fooling around with the well, kickoff. What was yeah. it this year is like 80% of kickoffs resulted in touchbacks. If you're going to do that, if you're getting to the point where – are you going to start creeping up into the territory of touchbacks are as frequent uh, as made extra points under the old system? Like, what mm-hmm. was the point of even kicking the extra point when it was 99% successful? Right. Right. And yes, you'd get the occasional one that didn't make it. It's kind of like the onside kick now. Nobody recovers them, you know? So, yeah. Um, if nobody's returning kickoffs, they want the kickoff in the like, game. That's the thing. As a football fan, I am much more interested in them trying to figure out a way to create some opportunity for a team trying to recover the onside kick mm-hmm. to have a chance. I'm not saying it needs to be a great chance, but the current system is, what, 98%? Yeah. Something like that. It's like that's that's useless. Like from And look, teams that get two score leads are bigger. In the fourth quarter of football games, I'm not saying that they should create a system that makes it really difficult for them to hang on to those leads. I'm okay with the onside kick, whatever they come up with, still being a really difficult thing to pull off. It always has been. It always should be. But it doesn't need to be almost 100% ineffective, right? That's that's not helpful, I don't think, for the game, that a team can be down Two scores, score to make it a one-score game, and basically the game's over. Yeah, you, you got know no they're chance. never going to recover this, right? Thing. And whatever that means, whether that be you know the idea of the fourth and fifteen, you run a play like that. Kind of, I don't know if that's exactly what it needs to be, but it needs. I don't. The old system didn't bother me. I get that there were more injuries. Well, that's the thing, right? right? I don't think it bothered the league either. I no. think it was. It's the injury thing. They they generally don't react with these big sweeping rule changes no. unless it's to 
try to keep it safer or to at least give yeah. the appearance that they're trying I to I would keep like it for them to come up with a rule that allows it to still be possible that maybe it doesn't have that same injury risk and maybe that is the 4th and 15. Fine. Figure out what that looks like, do it. It's more fun as a, a fan of the game to have a team that is trailing in that situation have a chance to get the ball back. Currently, they don't. And it, right. It's better for the league, right? Yeah. People stay tuned. These broadcasts to the very bitter end. Uh, pockets, won't we fire up today's 10-10 take? 10-10 ten, 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 ten. Ten, ten, take. Now, Mike Dempsey's 10-10 ten, ten, take. Brought to you by Leonard Truck Accessories. All right. Uh, today's question you think the extra $13 million in salary cap space above previous projections? And keep in mind, the, the cap went up about 30 mm-hmm. but we were expecting it to go up 17 or $18 million. So when you got that number on Friday, all the numbers that had been thrown around had been based on an increase already. So where the Jags were, you know, uh, under the cap by whatever degree, depending on what site you went to, that was with that increase already factored in. So it went up another $13 million. And does that make it more or less likely that both Josh Allen and Calvin Ridley will be here or not have a big impact either way? Uh, Right now, nearly 300 votes on this, 52% say more likely to keep both, which is interesting to me. 36.6% say no major impact and 11.5% say less likely to keep both. I think the Jags are no more likely, in my opinion, Mm-hmm. I think they wanted to keep both guys anyway. I think they could have found a way to, and they still can, find a way to create the money it will take to pay Josh Allen and to pay Calvin Ridley, whether it's Allen on the franchise tag initially, however it plays out. Even if you don't have Allen under a long-term deal where you can lower that initial year cap figure, I don't think it makes, to me, it doesn't make it more likely. I think they could have created that money anyway. I think it's, if anything, it's a little less likely to keep both simply because I think there's a team or two out there that may not have gotten into the Calvin Ridley business that now might otherwise say, you know what, we can make that effort. We can make that splash because while we have an extra $13 million to work with, so does every other team out there. And there are the same amount of teams, Tony, as you just laid out, are mm-hmm. desperate for O-line and wide receiver help. For instance, now they're looking at it like, hey, that's $13 million we weren't counting on. Let's go add half of that to our bid for Calvin Ridley or whatever. And all it takes is one of those teams to surpass the Jags number by a significant amount to make Calvin Ridley go, hmm, despite all the benefits of staying where I was, I've at least got to look at this a little bit harder. So to me, I think it makes it less likely to keep both. What about you? I think the NFL combine is when all these teams get together and start talking about all these things Mm -hmm. in earnest. And I think they're within the league. There's an idea going into the combine about what the price ranges are going to be on all these guys. And I think coming out of the combine, teams have a really good idea of what the price range is going to be. I, I think leaving the combine, the Jaguars are going to know what teams are likely going to be willing to offer Calvin Ridley, right, when he hits free agency because I still think the the franchise tag is the direction they're going to wind up going with Josh. So Calvin Ridley is going to at least get to the point where he's hearing other people's offers, right. right, for him to play with them. I think the Jags coming out of this week are going to have a really good idea of what those numbers are going to be. And I do lean towards 
less likely to keep both because teams that may have been willing to go to X number may be willing to go one or two higher. That's what I'm saying. Right, right? because of the 13 that they just got. If Calvin Ridley was going to be part of their priority, right, in in the offseason anyway. If there were teams that have looked at the situation with free agent wide receivers, the guys they expect to actually be available, and have Calvin Ridley at the top of that list, when everything is said and done, they get that extra money. I think part of that money they'd be comfortable spending on Calvin Ridley, which, as we've talked about throughout this process with Calvin, I am sympathetic to the view that he doesn't want to have to learn another system. He's comfortable in Jacksonville. He wants to stay. Like all those, I'm I'm sympathetic to that view, but I'm also overwhelmed by the free agents go where they're getting the most money. Generally. That's where they go. And I can't completely walk away from that side of it. Now, maybe the $13 million makes the Jaguars more competitive in their offer to Calvin Ridley. Ultimately, it may have that effect too, but I think because I already thought it was likely that the money would be the thing that spoke the most loudly with Calvin Ridley anyway, that every team having extra money to throw at Calvin Ridley doesn't help them in their efforts to get that done. I do believe that the state income tax thing is a factor to some small degree because sure. you can offer a little bit less, and it works out to be the same. You know, And the fact that I do think there is some value to Calvin Ridley to staying in the system, to being comfortable, to all these things. Agreed. And, and I don't think it's like if the Jags offered, let's make a number up, $20 million a year, and somebody offered 20 and a half. I don't think that's enough to sway him off of this, if all else being equal. Now, look, if it's Kansas City and you're saying join the two-time defending Super Bowl champs, they've got an intangible nobody else can offer. Mm-hmm. But if it's like Carolina, where you're going to be playing with Bryce Young, oh, I'm going to make an extra half million this year. Yeah. Okay. Um, you know, and then, you know, putting aside the income tax issue, I think it's got there's got to be a larger gap than that. Uh, I So I do think the intangibles can bridge a small gap. It's not going to if somebody blows you away with an offer, change the outcome, I don't think. And I think this makes it more likely for somebody to blow them away with an offer. I still, as I sit here today, think it's more likely than not than both that both Allen and Ridley are Jaguars mm-hmm. this year, in my opinion. I just don't feel as strongly about that as I did at this point last week, you know, with the uh, the cap rising. So uh, we'll take a look at uh, where the final numbers stand as we get ready to close up shop, at least the final numbers for us before we hit noon today and see how you're feeling about that and uh, go around with some other things, some other issues that have been brought up with the Jags today with the Combine looming. Mike Dempsey, Tony Smith, and Dylan Denmark are here with you. This is Jaguars today on 1010XL and 92.5 FM. This is Jaguars today on 1010XL. All right, a uh, couple on the text line designed by Lifetime Enclosures. Honest question, how can someone conceivably think Fortner will be good enough? What possibly could they see that we don't? And then uh, that was on the heels of one that said, didn't Fortner perform well as a rookie? He can get back to that and better. He's young. And that's what they might see, right? Like, after Fortner's rookie year, I think we all said, oh, it's pretty remarkable, Tony, that a rookie center came in and didn't seem like a tremendous liability and he was on a playoff team and they won nine games and they won a postseason game and he started every game he's only going to get better yeah and then he didn't only get better and seemingly he maybe went backwards last year and so I think you know can he get back on an upward trajectory I think it's possible what he did last year wasn't good enough but 
Yeah. That doesn't mean the team thinks he's going to play like he played last year as well. I think it's worth pointing out, right? Places like PFF have had they had a low grade on Fortner his rookie year. Right? They they just didn't grade him well even his rookie year. He was among the worst centers in the league after year 1 in the league. Now what PFF has always had is a really high opinion of Josh Allen. Mhm. Right? Like even when the numbers weren't great, for Josh Allen, I can remember last offseason when they were showing like top edge defenders. They had a list of top edge defenders come out, and Josh Allen was like number four or five on that list. And it's they had all their pressure numbers with Josh Allen, plus he is such a plus for them in their grading against the run, right? Like Josh Allen was an impact player for the Jags, even if he wasn't having the sack numbers. But I do look at PFF, and they have for two years now, they've said Fortner, no bueno like among the worst in the league. Like he didn't show up there last year. Like they had him that low after his first year in the NFL. The team succeeded, got into the playoffs, won a couple of playoff games, and the perception, I think, of Fortner from the fan base was a little bit different. You know, I you know, we talked to Lagerman and Baselli and these guys is from year one to year two, and there was a lot of frustration from a lot of places with Fortner after his second year in the league. After year one, though, it's not like I didn't hear some people saying, he's got to get better. Yeah. Right? Like, I heard that from virtually everyone we talked to about, it. he's got to get better. Is And he just didn't. His second year, does that mean that year three he can't get better? No. But I don't think he was way worse than he was his first yeah, year. Yeah, I hear what you're saying. I think his weaknesses were more exposed this year for whatever reasons that might be. I don't know what those reasons might be, but I don't think he got any worse. I think he just got exposed a little bit. Uh, somebody asking kind of a follow-up. Every team got the same amount of more cap space. Why would it make any difference? Uh, no impact is the most logical answer because not every team has the same goals this offseason. You yeah. may, if you get the extra $13 million, at one team may go, oh, you know what? Let's spend some of this money and take a bigger cap hit this year on a new contract for a guy we're trying to extend in the future. Another team might have been sitting there going, man, we're going to have to scrape by just to yeah. go to bat here. And now all of a sudden we've got $13 million that maybe, you know, we weren't thinking we we're going to be a player in free agency. Maybe we can be. Whereas maybe a team, you could say, well, why wouldn't the Jags say the same thing? But maybe they look at it. And, and I'm not saying that they would absolutely look at it one way and everyone else would look at it a different way. All I'm saying is it takes one or two teams to look at it a different way. If the Jags look at it and go, Hey, we can take this thirteen million, but instead of we're still going to offer what we're going to offer Allen and Ridley anyway. That's mm -hmm. how we value them. But what this will enable us to do, maybe we can go out there now and instead of trying to draft a right guard and hope he can compete with Cooper Hodges and one yeah. of them turns out to be right, we can get a guy who's played football. And it's a question of what you want to do with those resources. It's not just like okay, here's thirteen million dollars to add to everyone's Calvin Ridley bid. Every team's got a different set of circumstances. Sure. So how they opt to use that money is going to go in a lot of different directions. Absolutely. The team, honestly, that makes me nervous in the Calvin Ridley, whatever it's going to be, is the Colts. That's the team that gets me nervous because he is so different than Michael Pittman. Mm -hmm. But the two of those guys on the field together, I do think that's that's getting work done. Like those two guys being on the field together and they have so much money. The they Colts do. can spend, and they'd be taking him off the Jaguars roster. They do. Like, that's a team that I look at it and say, 
I don't know where Calvin Ridley's going to go. I know we've talked about Kansas City, but we've talked about the reasons why it doesn't make sense with Kansas City too, right? Like they've been willing to, look, Rasheed Rice had a good second half of the year. We can do it a different way. Uh, they're with the Chiefs. The Colts, whether you think that that puts the Colts over the top or not, I don't think that's the conversation here. It's Calvin Ridley not playing in Jacksonville, and where are the big threats to that happening, right? Calvin Ridley not playing in Jacksonville, and I think – the Colts are at or towards the top of that list of teams with the money they got to spend and what he could be adding to their roster at that position. That that team getting involved in it wouldn't surprise me, and that would be the one that I have at the top of my list right now. The Colts. They could. It it can though also be a question of how much do you want to tie up into one position. I right? get it. Like there's talk like. T. Higgins has received the franchise tag. It's official from Cincinnati. They know a big deal is coming for Jamar Chase. There's been already a lot of talk that T. Higgins could be a sign-and-trade type guy where they would take less than the two first-rounders. If you just sure. go out and sign T. Higgins, you owe the Bengals two first-round picks because he's under the exclusive or the non-exclusive franchise tag, um, whereas they could say, oh, you know, we'll take a second and a third uh, for T. Higgins, and you've got to give him the big contract. As a for instance, I don't know – if the Colts, you know, with Jonathan Taylor, kind of the focal point of their offense, are you going to have two 20 million plus wide receivers? Because I, I think it. that's yeah. what it would take. I, I mean, I'm not yeah. saying they won't. Yeah. And they do have the cap space to do it. That doesn't mean every team would want to allocate that. And they've taken some shots on young receivers in recent years as well. And I'm not sure how they feel about yeah. them internally, you know, in terms of like Houston doesn't scare me all that much because they got all the young receivers that I think they're still going to try to to build it up around. But it wouldn't stun me, right? If they got involved, I think Baltimore ought to be involved. If if I was the Ravens, I'd be hard after. Well, I think it. Carolina will be involved yeah. too because they're desperate to add a top sure. of the depth chart. Guy. But Carolina, for all the reasons that you already mentioned, it's like okay. You're like, what are you? Right, but right? what they might be is a team that's willing to overspend the top because dollar. of their situation. Right, like that kind of thing. But I do think the Colts and the Ravens probably one, two on my list right now as far as teams that I think should be interested in Calvin Ridley. Uh, two mocks out in the last 24 hours or so, one at CBS. I think Tom Fernelli updated one he put out on Friday. Mm -hmm. um, has the Jags going Cooper DeGene, the corner out of Iowa with 17th pick. And the other one had uh, the Jags going, uh, this was at Pro Football Network. I had him going corner as well, but with uh, Nate Wiggins of Clemson. Yeah, I saw Tony Pauline had a list he put out this morning of the players where the medical eval mm -hmm. is going to be the most important for this group of guys. And Cooper was one of the guys on that list because he is still recovering from right. the injury late this year and what exactly that's going to look like. Um, so, yeah, it'll be interesting. Some of the, you know, prospects that, it's it's going to be really interesting. Latou, the defensive end out of UCLA, that's a guy who at one time, Washington basically said, you can't play anymore. You got a neck injury, you can't play, right? Like that's where he was at in his career. Now he's playing, right, football, but what does an evaluation of that injury from an NFL right. perspective wind up showing? I don't know, but that's – the combine is where that kind of stuff starts right. getting answered. And we're getting – It'll get answered more directly internally, but the some of that stuff know, will leak right? out. On day one, day two of the draft, when you're like, why is this guy slipping? It's like, well, who knows what the medical eval told you. All right, for us, uh, we both felt it was a little less likely that Calvin Ridley would be a jack. I still think it's more likely than not that he does. I just think that percentage, whatever the exact number is, it feels a little lower to me now that more teams, and you don't know what their plans are going to be, can get a little 
crazy with the the money chase. Uh, right now, 53% say it's more likely mm-hmm. with the cap rising more than expected that both Allen and Ridley will be here. No major impact to the likelihood. About 35.5%, 11.7% saying it's less likely that both will be kept. That's with the 300-plus votes in yeah. right now. So we'll see how that all goes. Hey, uh, really, the the breaking news, was it Carl who called us earlier yeah, today? Yeah, it's Carl. Said, uh, uh, told us that uh, he was told by somebody who's <laughs> working on the uh, building out by the baseball grounds that uh, that according to them they had already been told that when the stadium deal goes through, I say when, not if, uh, mm-hmm. that Orlando will be where the Jags play. Who knows? I don't know. Is it true? Is it not true? It's it's plausible. <laughs> Time will tell. Right? Yes. It's certainly plausible. Uh, but uh, you know what? They'll have to discuss it on another program at least today because. We are done. It's time for XL Primetime. Now, the two-minute drill. Brought to you by Tire Outlet. Tire Outlet is now hiring. Visit tireoutlet.com slash careers. Equal opportunity employer. All right, Joe C. limping in here like he got hit by a bus. What is going I, on with you? I went up to Winston-Salem. Just wanted to go see a good basketball game. Minding my own business. <laughs> got you know, hit. You got rushed. Stay off the court, Joe. <laughs> you know the rest of the story. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We'll get into that one today. Uh, I'm going to say that's not what happened to you, but uh, I'll let you uh, mm-hmm. extend the suspense yeah. if you <laughs> choose to a it little was, bit. It was either that or I went to the PBR Saturday night, the professional bull riders. Oh, uh, and, and you I, went to the Paps. Yeah, I tried to get into the chute. Uh, and, and it messed me up. But uh, it, it's something very manly, though, yeah, happened yeah. to you. I don't know what the heck you did happened. A be- you wanted to see just how high uh, you could jump from and still land on the sand. Somebody said, by the way, we're crazy mm-hmm. um, that that sand is not soft at the beach. Up up in the like up the top in the dunes, it's softer than it is down where you're driving on it, for it's sure. softer than concrete. So you're right. It's that, that's kind of the point. Yeah. We're not saying it's like a pillow no. you're landing on, but we're talking about how it just – I don't know how it came up. How right. how high a fall could you survive? Like uh-huh. if you landed, kind of prone on the on the sand right. right there at the beach. Right. I think you could survive like a hundred foot fall. Oh gosh, no, I don't think about that. Ah, oh. hundred feet. <laughs> we had talking... a guy who called in who was a Navy SEAL We're said routinely, routinely, guys in training would fall 35, 40 feet, get up and just keep going like nothing. Well, those are seals. And, and they are seals, yeah. right? But yeah. still, you're that, that's forty feet and. Right. You so know, I could see, I could see I them like they're trained, right? So they hit it and they roll. Maybe so. And so they get rid of all that impact. Maybe and so. Force. Whereas hey, look, somebody said, like us, we're just going straight. Right, down and and, it's gonna crush my internal organs. Yeah. I understand. Yeah. I, I'm yeah. not saying I would survive it necessarily. Somebody said this sounded like the conversation that was going online a few years ago about who could fight a bear. You're probably right. Yeah. I yeah. like yeah. I, 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 I ten foot fall. I'd probably snap my neck in half. Yeah. So. And, and I, I, I'm trying to think of the, the furthest, probably around ten feet, and it probably just. The shock wave that went through the bottom half of your body. Oh, I wouldn't yeah. try to land on my yeah. feet. Oh, my gosh. You know. I'm trying to remember, but I think it was probably around that. But anyway, surprised that I didn't break something. All right, Joey, what do you have coming up on the program yeah. today? Well, <laughs> we're going to get into the court storming, of course. And yes. are there any solutions? And it's so funny. ESPN is appalled by it, but they're the ones who invite it. Okay? Because those, those are the cameras that everyone's playing to. We know that. So, anyway, we'll get into that. Get into the NFL Combine. Uh, some recruiting stuff left over from over the weekend. Cam Newton getting in a scrape. Yeah, I mean that was. Yeah, I didn't nuts. see. Did you watch the video? Yeah, I, he's dressed up as some big witch, and, <laughs> and it was it was strange, man. I didn't see the First video. First thing but he lost was his his 
Did magic. it look like he was defending himself? Yeah, though? he was trying to break up a fight. Yeah. Like right, that. like he wasn't like oh, he out didn't. there just brawling, no, no, throwing he, blows. No, or he was trying to break like up that. a fight, and then someone comes and swings on him. Yeah, yeah. someone tried to sucker punch him. Yeah, it was yeah. it was not pretty. But anyway, he was dressed up with the big, you know, witch hat, and then, that's a Cam think, Newton product. By yeah, the way. yeah, another one of his great hats. It is. Yeah, exactly. So we'll get into all that. <laughs> all right, Joey, have a good show. All right, fellas. All right, we'll see you there. You go XL Prime Time coming your way for the next few hours. Uh, the crew will be. In Indianapolis tonight, Frank Hayes and Mia, and we'll have reports all week long on that. Thanks to Frank Frangie for stopping by today. Uh, Mike DiRocco will join us tomorrow on the program to continue the offseason discussion for your Jacksonville Jaguars as we draw closer to the deadline. Next week will be the deadline, people, for applying that franchise tag. So either getting it going or we're not getting it going over the next few days in Indianapolis with those negotiations. That'll do it for us. For Tony Smith and Dylan Denmark, I'm Mike Dempsey. Thank you for listening. Jaguars Today returns tomorrow at 10 a.m. on 1010XL and 92.5 FM.